This icon is racist. I have never ever been a spy. Can the PBS bank uh, The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shape. Can you please come in? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us here at Sunday Times Politics Weekly with me, Amil Amrao. I'm joined by the rest of my politics team um, here at the Sunday Times, Apiwe de Klerk, hey. Zingisa Mvumvu, and Zimasa Matiwane. Guys, Hello. thank you so much for joining me this week. And man. thank you so much for listening in, for all the viewers out there. Guys, we've got a massive story uh, in this last Sunday Times um, edition. I think it caused a lot of stir everywhere in the <laughs> yeah. country. Everyone's talking about it. It was written by Kwanita Hunter and Kaifis Kosana. Let's take a look at it. President Cyril Ramaphosa has been asked to help recover millions of dollars belonging to the late Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi, which government sources say was hidden in Jacob Zuma's and Kandla residence before being secretly moved to Swaziland earlier this year. Personally, I'm not surprised. I think uh, <laughs> we all should not be surprised at what Jacob Zuma is capable of um, what all, with all the allegations against him. Um, but this just takes it to a next level. It takes it intercontinental corruption. And so we've had the Libyans looking for Gaddafi's money since after he passed away. Um, this was back in what, 2011, 2012, I think? 2011. 2011. And I remember specifically Zuma saying in Parliament around 2013 that he has no idea what's going on. There was a question asked about it, and Zuma said, I don't know what you're talking about. If there's money here, I don't know about it. <laughs> now we've got this massive story saying, actually, this was the guy who laundered the money through the country and into Swaziland. Any thoughts, guys? Hey, it's scary, that thing. Eh? <laughs> hey, it's, 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 it's like uh, it was a script of a movie. Yeah, exactly. Where in, in the last uh, dying moments of Gaddafi, said, keep this for me, brother. <laughs> exactly. This guy <laughs> took it and then he kept it in his banger, allegedly. Um, like how P.W. says allegedly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's allegedly we saw his tweet uh, mm. seemingly saying he doesn't know anything about it uh, those were not his exact words but because this was wasn't a little bit of money this was 30 million dollars which is close on to half a billion rand Jeez. which is a lot of money which keeps now I want to know how big Zuma's vault is and the results but you, you see, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's of course interesting and it's going to be very difficult to, to prove uh, such a thing. I mean, but we know, for instance, that as we were saying earlier outside this uh, studio, that uh, the public protector was never allowed to access the banker mm -hmm. for some odd reason. I mean, this could be one of the reasons that uh, uh, there's a lot of money that is hidden there. I mean, and, and the Gaddafi money wouldn't be the only other money. I mean, uh, we know Posasa and mm. all other sorts of money. <laughs> it's, it's just that it's, it's it's something that is highly probable and possible and that could in fact be true it's just that it would be very difficult to to mm. prove at this point in time especially now that the money has moved mm. uh you know from 
there. But we know uh, Gaddafi in terms of the stronghold and the power that he had in, uh, uh, you know, in Libya. In fact, he operated through that. There's a lot of money that uh, Gaddafi spread across the world. You know, I, I believe uh, that is a drop in the ocean in kind of the uh, financial resource that uh, Gaddafi had. I mean, and he had all sorts of influence and friends across the world. And uh, our former president, uh, Jacob Zuma, was one of the people who were quite uh, friendly to, to the fellow, you know. So so there's a lot of uh, things that you could point to this uh, being true. But, uh, we, we, I mean, only, only time will tell. Also, the fight back in terms of the, the disputing, it also is interesting for me that uh, the former president took uh, two days to, to, to come to the mm. defense, which is not also that pointed. It's sort of, you know, casting aspersions that, yeah, because you so many times have reported lie about my Dubai house before. What? Why should mm. people trust you? Because that's what I read in, in his defense. He's not saying there is no such nonsense mm. that I took money from Gaddafi. And for him, uh, now that he's on Twitter these days, I mean, you could have literally disputed this story on Sunday. If, for me, it's the, someone who's confident, that's what they would do. You come out immediately if something is not true because you've got nothing to lose. You just take the facts to say, no, actually, there's no such one, two, three here, the facts, but he didn't do that. I think for me, when it comes to politicians sort of denying things on Twitter, um, there are avenues like the press ombudsman and there's a court where you could go for defamation of character. If it was me who was being uh, leveled serious allegations against, I would use those avenues. I wouldn't just say on Twitter that, no, it's not true, and then leave it as that. Simosa? I'm, I'm starting to uh, doubt everything I've ever believed about Gaddafi. I, I don't know what kind of a person would give their money to Jacob Zuma, but he did. <laughs> uh, and the money belongs to the Libyan people. It's not it, it's not a petty cash that belongs to the Gaddafi family. Mm. So whatever, you know, recourse that should be taken or law enforcement, they should just try and recover the money and take it back to Libya, to where it belongs. It doesn't belong to Jacob Zuma. It was supposed to help Gaddafi, uh, according to the story, if he gets arrested. Mm. Uh, well, he died. He wasn't arrested. So now it must go back to the, to the rightful owners. See, the problem is now that the Americans are getting involved because it's their dollars, you've got more eyes on you than you previously thought you would have had because the Americans, we know, don't play when it comes to money and oil. <laughs> so it's an interesting story, guys, but let's move on from there very quickly to another story on page four. Um, ANC Secretary General Ace Magashule has been told by the party's National Executive Committee to stop using ANC platforms to defend himself against allegations of corruption. Oh, just firstly, I think that... ANC's entire communications team would be used for that to defend ANC and all, uh, ACE and all the allegations of corruption that come out against him every week. Um, but doesn't this seem like the party is now starting to distance themselves from their Secretary General? Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, last week we were speaking about this, uh, the statement that was released by the party uh, defending ACE Mahashule. Uh, when the stories were published by uh, different Sunday newspapers, including ours. So it seems as if finally the party is saying we can't take this. But <clears throat> it's going to be interesting then uh, that if this is the stance they're going to take when it comes to Ace Mahashule, are they going to take the same stance mm. when uh, allegations of corruption come uh, against uh, the president? Uh, is it going to be the same case when it's allegations of corruption uh, against any of those in the top six of the ANC? 
It's interesting because what we've seen from the ANC recently is that we get a statement um, saying one thing and then a few days later that statement is either retracted or a whole mm. new statement is, is, is issued with a completely different stance. Kimo, so are we looking at two different factions talking in the ANC we've, here or opposing with each other? You know what, post-Nazrek we've always had two ANCs. Mm. That's, uh, that's, that's something that we've, we've come to understand and each statement that comes out of Lutuli House you can see uh, which ANC wrote the statement and now there are even allegations that uh, our Keita <laughs> Kalni House <laughs> is, is writing these statements and it, my, my own observations this this particular statement was not the first statement where I had suspicions. There was a statement, I don't remember what it was about, but Carl tweeted a thread, I think of about four tweets, um, mm. rubbishing whatever he was rubbishing. And a couple of hours later, a statement came out of Lutuli House and some of Carl's tweets were <laughs> in the statement. <laughs> so it started to look very dodgy. But anyway, um, look, I don't know. I think I think the president and his faction are trying to do some damage control mm. and close rank in terms of you can no longer do this thing of of using you know the party machinery to to fight your own battles. And besides, Ace already said he's going to challenge this thing in court, right? Mm. I don't. Okay. I, I I I haven't seen or heard him saying his taking the right of the book to court or anything like that, but that's that's the avenue that he chose to embark upon. Hence, there is no need for Lutuli House to be writing statements uh, based on whatever perceived or, you know, attack against him. Okay, guys, thank you so much for that. Um, in fact, I mean, just before we move, my guy, yeah. I, I just talk want to, me, to, talk to, 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 to add to, yeah. <laughs> to, to Comrade Zim's uh, point. I think the NC has learned uh, from history here. Uh, hence, they took the stance. I mean, you would remember in the during the years of the former president Jacob Zuma, the ANC was always in the forefront of defending him. Although at times certain allegations would be on his personal capacity, and and that really dented uh, the ANC such that uh, to the point of what happened in 2016, where they lost a couple of metros because of mainly the reputation of an individual within the party that ended up denting the entire party. So I think the strategy now is that guys, we don't want to find ourselves in the same situation again, such that now comrades who have serious allegations against them, the best way is to isolate them and so that they can defend themselves in their personal capacities, not with the party, because when you defend your, the party, takes a strategy to defend you. If you suffer, the entire party will suffer, but whereas if you are on your own, when you suffer, you suffer on your own and not the party. And I think that they draw lessons from the past and they've resorted to that. But it can also be dangerous in that it sets a precedent in that, for instance, if their president himself in the future is under attacks for whatever reason, what do you do as a party? Do you stand back and say he must be on his own again? So you see, it's, it's a touch and go, but I understand where they are coming from. But it could also have ripple effects that are anti what they, they, they think they are trying to achieve. Hasn't he been on his own on Busasa? He's been, eh? Yeah. He's, he's been dealing he's with it. Been dealing with you know, yeah. by himself. No, and, but and there's his nothing side. there on Busasa to be serious. You can't say there's yeah, nothing there. Yeah, but this day is too early. You, yeah. must, you must remember there's still also an investigation by the public, public protector. Protect. Mm. Yes. Uh, now, when it comes to this public protector, uh, to be specific, it's very unpredictable, eh? Actually, on the same. Uh, so, so if if she, if that report comes out, clobbering him, but or, 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 or what's going to happen? What we expect from Utuli House is to accept 
the public protector report yeah. and that the president must deal with it in his personal capacity. Yeah. <laughs> oh, guys, let's move on from here. Um, we're going to get into our election coverage very soon, but first we're going to take a very quick ad break. Uh, when we get back, we're going to start talking about the last aspect of our election coverage when it comes to policy. When it comes to policy, our viewers giving me a startling look here, like we're done with election coverage. No, we're not. <laughs> we're just going to stop here with policy. But we're going to be talking about crime and um, threats within South Africa. Guys, join us uh, when we get back from the break and we'll see you then. Young people are making their mark. Get up. Tune into the Sebenza Live Behind the Hustle podcast every Tuesday to find out more about what fascinating careers are out there. You can find us on the Sebenza Live website or you can follow us on Twitter on Sebenza Live. Sebenza boy. Sebenza girl. Sebenza. Thank you so much for getting back with us. Um, so, as I said, we're going to get back into our election coverage. We've so far covered edu- education, health, economy, um, land. Zimasa, what else? We've, we've done so much health. over the past couple of months. Yeah, we've done health. We've done everything. Health, health we've done lit. everything that's important to people we've covered. Because you were talking too much. <laughs> <laughs> but it was lead. <laughs> the last thing we're going to cover is crime because that's one big aspect that South Africans are talking about um, and one sort of aspect that we need to change in the, in the country. Just a little insight as to where we're going to go after this. We're going to be talking about election-specific stuff. So we're going to be talking about voting patterns, um, perceptions of certain parties, how they're perceived, how they communicate, and a whole bunch of interesting stuff as we get into elections. It's going to be lit. Just a month away. I, <laughs> I cannot stand people who use the word lit. I'm sorry. Guys, okay, so getting into crime. Um, as... It's been for the past couple of years. Um, crime is on the increase once again. I mean, our murder stats are shockingly horrible. They've gone up about 6% since 2017. 20,336 people are murdered in South Africa every year. Um, sexual offenses, 50,000 cases, more than 50,000 cases reported. And that's also an increase from last year. Um, and your more sort of sophisticated crimes like your um, cash and transit robberies, um, that's gone up by almost half that it was in 2017. Um, your drug-related crimes have also gone up, um, 323,000 cases being reported. So it's not, it would not be wrong to say South Africa has a serious crime problem. We've always had this problem. We've had this problem since 20 years ago. We've had this problem since 10 years ago, but we have not seemed to be doing anything constructive about it. Is it because we have a violent society or is it a failure from our police? Um, you see, I mean, uh I think it's a, it's, it's a combination of mm. both. Uh, we have an extremely violent uh, society. It scares me. It scares mm. me a lot that, um, you see, just um, uh, the conduct crime, uh, mm. it, say, say at home, 
outside of uh, 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 police uh, uh, jurisdiction, if you mm. would say. I mean, when when you are in, in, inside your home mm. uh, with your family members and those fights that break out and mm. your uh, domestic issues, domestic violence, mm. and so on. But also on the streets, you find that uh, people are shot, uh, stabbed, and what during a robbery. And when you when when you follow the story, you find that. But was it really necessary for the person? Because uh, sometimes those crimes. They, they are so gruesome for no reason. Mm. Uh, someone would have uh, handed over their cell phone, would have handed over their wallet, and they still uh, stabbed to death. And mm. They are still shot. Uh, uh, in places where people are supposed to be enjoying themselves, exactly. in pubs and tough and mm. stuff, fights break out and whatnot. So it's, it's very scary, the violence uh, uh, that we subject yeah. each other to. Eh? Yeah, I was I was a, polit- a politics reporter in KZN way back when, and that KZN is sure one of I think one of our most violent provinces. Yeah, um, if you look at our stats, and just I've covered horror stories of rapes of six-month-old babies, um, decapitations, burnt bodies, the horrible stuff in, in totality. But what I seem to pick up from the police, it is also somewhat a political issue, because. If you look at the ANC, the EFF, and the DA, um, a lot of their their, their, their speak on crime um, also revolves around how policing is done. So Mm. you always say, no, we need more visible policing in these areas. Um, We need to recapacitate our crime intelligence. We need to recapacitate the hawks and these bodies so that we can fight crime or prevent crime before it happens. But at the basic level, how do you restore um, a sort of... Um, integrity or, 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 or drive in the police force when some people haven't been promoted for 15 years. People are still warrant officers when they started in the police at 19, in, 19, in the 80s. Um, people have not got increases for the past 10 years. Some people are still sergeants. Some people are still constables after 10 years. I mean, if you worked as an intern, as a reporter, and you did great work, and 10 years later you're still an intern, would you still want to stay as a journalist? It's almost the same thing. Would you have the willingness to fight crime? Should, is, is that where we should start? Mm. Well, <laughs> you see, I mean, for, for me, uh, mostly crime is, is uh, you know, as I've said this before, on most issues in South Africa, we take a reactionary stance mm. about how do we address the problem instead of saying, what do we do to prevent the problem from happening in the first place? Uh, you know, with this, I'm getting at the point that crime, for me, in the main, is a socio-economic of issue. Course. I in that, that. Uh, if people were not, not all crime yeah not all crime <laughs> but most of the crime yeah. is a socio-economic issue in that most of the people who are committing crime especially petty crimes mm. uh, if they were employed and had uh, comfortable lives socio-economically uh, crime would be far less than of course I mean we'll never get to a situation where there's no crime at all but crime would be far less uh, than it is and the EFF does make mm. uh, such a statement in their manifesto in fact how they open up their uh, conversation on crime is that they, they, they take the approach that fighting crime will take into consideration that crime is a socio-economic consequence and should fundamentally uprooted the economic cardi developing our communities and providing criminals with quality jobs. But you see with the AFF they always make the right noise. In that same thing is, is that uh, they also uh, contradict themselves within the same manifesto in that later they talk about employing 100,000 uh, mm. more police officers. I mean if you say you're going to uproot, you're going to make sure that crime doesn't happen What's the need, yeah, what's the need of, exactly. of employing so many police officers? But you see what I'm saying. Mm. But I, I, I agree with the FS point that it's a socio-economic issue and that 
in the main, if we address the uh, inequality in our society and eliminate poverty, we would have far less problems with crimes, and then we won't have to employ more police officers and make sure that policing is, uh, you know, effective. Look, the the the, the other indicator uh, um, about crime and how the state is not managing is just to look at the number of security companies mm. that we have in the country. Mm. Yes, there's it's a, billion a, billion dollar, dollar, yeah. it's a billion dollar industry. Yeah, they're milking it. So you get to a point where uh, this, the, the more safer you want to be is the more money you need to pay. Mm. Just uh, neighbor, uh, um, for, for, for the neighborhood where you live in, um, what, what's this... Uh, What's the name of this company? Uh, ADT. 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 <laughs> yeah, ADT and, 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 and all of those. So it, it seems as if really uh, the state uh, is not is not making us feel safe in our own homes. Mm. Uh, but I think it's, it's I, now it's also an issue of affordability and privilege, mm, you know, mm. because a, a person who lives in a house that has an alarm and a high wall and buckler guards is the person who will afford... ADT, hence a person who lives in a shack where you just push push one uh, window and then you are in and you can do whatever you want. That person has zero, literally no protection at all. Because another thing is, uh, in terms of visible policing, you, you, you go to areas where someone was uh, stabbed to death and there is not even a road for a, van, a police van to mm. go there. So I'm not sure how police are going to be visible when we lack mm, such exactly. basic, you know, mm. infrastructure. I think and it sort of goes back to what Mbombu was saying. Sorry to cut you off this monster, but we have separate categories of crime. You have crimes that are personal, very personal, like your domestic issues. Um, murder can also be seen as a as, as a personal crime, or crime of passion almost. Mm. Um, then you have social economic crimes, which if we had to sort out our social economic problems, it may see a decline, as Mvumvu said. But then at the other side, you also have the problems police are facing. Like you just said, um, in many of the rural areas, how do you say, um, for instance, there's how do you report to the police in the first place where... For instance, if I'm living in a hut, uh, I say, I'm, hi, this is my name. There's been a robbery outside my house. Where is uh, your house? Where is your house? You know? Well, it's up the mountain on the left-hand side of the chief's house. Because <laughs> <laughs> this, this is actually, what happens. That's, that's yeah. how you give that. That's how you give yeah. 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 exactly. Carry on. Uh, but, but, but if you go to, uh, at least uh, uh, rural areas are not that populated. You go to this highly populated mm. areas where you find this, uh, the number of uh, uh, the crime states showing that uh, it's, it's bad. Because w- when you go to those public meetings that ministers often uh, host uh, with residents and whatnot, uh, the residents come out and say, we have this problem. Uh, the police are not coming on time. They, uh, they get there and whatnot, and whatnot. And then you have a professional police officer who says, you know, we want to police this area. We've been uh, um, saying we want uh, uh, crime to to drop mm. but when we get here first of all we have to park outside the settlement because there's no access mm. roads it's dark mm. so if it's it's five of us uh, 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 in in two vans and and whatnot we are more in danger mm. uh, because the criminals want the weapons so if we can't see there's no uh, uh, sufficient lighting it's difficult to do the job so for for you to to solve the issue of crime 
you really, really need to talk to the issue of service delivery, and mm. uh, it, it can't just be a police issue alone. Of course. You know, I've 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 attended a couple of uh, community meetings where maybe a politician or an MEC of community safety is addressing, and uh, what what I've seen in the in the ANC manifesto on their promises of mm. how to curb crime is nothing different from what the ANC has been saying all along. I don't think they have any new ideas. Actually, to illustrate that the ANC has absolutely no clue how to deal with this matter, you see how their government has failed to hold people who are corrupt accountable. Mm. Corruption is also is, is also mm. a crime. Stealing from government is also a crime. Who has gone to jail? Mm. Okay, and that guy from Northern Cape was blocked. He's the only one. And, and you see, the point that you are making Zim, brings me to the po- a point that I was going to make to say that part of the problem in, in, in that kind of a crime of corruption is that if there is no political will and such is not demonstrated, the entire society, even people feel the need to go inside a shop and steal because you say, I mean, if so-and-so can steal yeah. and not be arrested, mm. I mean, exactly. why why should I be arrested? When so I, that entire thing becomes culture, and that is what has unfortunately befallen okay. the country. You guys, the you know, you know, you know, when people speak about the EFF, they speak about Mazoti, mm. and they speak about Mazoti, who is said to be a cigarette smuggler mm. or a criminal of some sort. That guy, he 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 funds the EFF. Julius rents or lives for free, I don't know, at his house somewhere. <laughs> uh, there's been pictures of them together. Mm. That guy is a criminal. Mm. According to society's perceptions, yes, he's not been charged yes. or even convicted. But people, when people look at him, they see a cigarette smuggler, mm. not an upstanding citizen. Mm. And we have a respected, you know, politician, mm. you know, busy gallivanting with that person. And then you tell me that we're serious about crime. Mm. No. I'm going to start with crime from the top down. Let's talk about it from the top down. Let's talk about it at the top with the police ministry and our minister, Becky Knele, and our police chief. Um, who's now? Who the, both of them are having a bit of a debacle for a little while, for a little while now. But that's where it starts. I mean, if you look back at our police ministry, we've had so many different police ministers over the past ten years. You've and, had Rio and, Pieca, com- and, and commissioners. commissioners. You have yeah. Rio Pieca, You've had. And we all know how he left exactly. uh, as a commissioner. Exactly. Who now is a minister? And not just not just at a national level, but also on a provincial level. Our police leaders are chopped and changed just as much as they are police min- uh, or actual ministers being chopped and changed in, in, in cabinets. So, but the thing is, what this leads to is that there's no long-term implementation because when a new person comes in, they have their own ideas. And all the programs that are, that their predecessor had put in place are now scrapped and something else is done. Do you done. guys actually believe that these guys have ideas? No, I actually don't. Because <laughs> well, you know when is, it comes to crime, I honestly, I don't the think The thing so. is, a lot of these... Because they are not affected. Mm, they are a, so safe. A lot of these police commissioners or our past police commissioners were politicians yeah. they were not seasoned police officers yeah. or they cl- they climbed the ranks to where they got to because of their political connections yeah. Yeah. and then when you start to politicize the police to use it to your own agendas I mean um not just the hawks, but crime intelligence as well. I mean, sorry guys, I'm very passionate about this because yeah. I've seen the effects, <laughs> oh my God, I've seen the effects <laughs> of this on, on, on ordinary people and they were all sort of dissolved out. Crime intelligence lost so much of its capacity to prevent massive crimes happening. The Hawks, uh, shush, they've been left uh, in their own little state. And what it 
basically leads to then is that on the ground, you start seeing the changes from the top. And that's where you see the rise in crime because we can't police it all the way from the top. What do you guys think? Yeah, look, the, the opposition political parties, opposition leaders have, have long been saying that uh, the ANC administration has deliberately incapacitated mm. uh, these institutions. Mm. Uh, 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 police, the NPA, uh, yeah, well, not so much uh, when it comes to uh, the Department of Justice mm. and the courts and whatnot. Yes. But to such an extent that their plan is that if they are they don't have capacity they won't arrest us exactly so th that's what uh, um opposition political parties have been saying and then they've been linking this to uh, then jacob Zoom directly mm. but you must remember uh, a period where we had a police commissioner uh, who was jackie Selim. Mm. exactly that mess that happened there mm. and how it all came uh, together and how we got to see oh these decisions that were being taken in the SAPS mm. uh, to close this unit, uh, to you see, where because this guy is in bed with uh, drug lords and whatnot. So, yeah, it, they have been systematically crippled mm. um, over the past, what, um, let's say from the era of Jackie uh, Selene mm. to what we have now. Uh, let's hope uh, uh, we will find a turnaround after. With Mr. Castro Sotole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I was I was gonna say with with Apiwe, that's why you'll find a a drug runner who has uh, cocaine worth maybe twenty thousand being arrested. But you know the kingpin, mm. you know the person who is actually selling the cocaine. That person is forever gonna be safe. Listen, no, nothing's gonna happen mm. to that person. I, I don't think we're saying. Oh. What I wanted to make clear is we're not saying that there aren't any good cops in our country because we I think we've all in our journalistic careers like experienced good police officers, um, experienced good investigators. Um, but at the same time, I think there's different issues here. So we've spoken about the politics of the police. Um, Zingisa, I want to go into what you were talking about, the social economic aspects of crime. I think, and with that, I want to bring in the police here again because... There's certain things police can take care of and there's certain things that they can't. I mean, where do we start in terms of something like, if we had to start at something like common robbery or shoplifting, which are also massive issues um, if you look at our stats, I think here your socioeconomic issues can come in. I mean, if people weren't hungry, I don't think they would shoplift. Or if people didn't need money excessively, I don't think they would. Uh, well, there would be a lot less of it. Mm. Um, let's not say that they won't do it at all. But I think we, if we can sort out some socioeconomic issues, we can sort out some crimes. But when it comes to other crimes, like crimes that you can prevent with intelligence, if you look at cash and transit robberies, yeah. if you look at corruption, if you look at um, proper like bank robberies, for instance, um, you can prevent that if you have the right intelligence in place. So where do we start to go in terms of socioeconomic issues and, and how do we start to alleviate those problems in crime? Mm. In fact, uh, I mean, with, with socioeconomic issues, where I wanted to come is uh, the point of police themselves. You see, part of the problem we have, corruption within the police, is that uh, police themselves are not compensated enough for the kind of job. They are so stretched, those guys, especially in a country like ours where crime is so high, yet these guys are so, uh, you know, lowly. 
compensated such that they are dealing at times with, with criminals that are highly, highly loaded. I mean, if a criminal puts two million in front of you and say, as a station uh, commander of this uh, particular station, I don't want your boys to touch me at all. I mean, and maybe I don't know how much a station commander earns, but I assume around uh, 40,000 or so, which is enough in someone else's life. But uh, to a station commander in a small town who wants to be a king of the town, it wouldn't be enough. But the station commanders are just an extreme. Even cops, uh, constables, constables and pathetic salaries, they have a take home of less than 20,000 thousand a month you can barely support your family you, you have to take your kids to school and all uh, those kind of issues and that money is not enough to do that that is a socio-economic issue itself within the police and as a cop if someone comes with a million to you and say actually i will pay off all your study the studies of your child as long as you make sure that your colleagues and you guys stay uh, away from me so you know those are the issues but as you as you said we we need to move beyond that now that we have the problem of high crime and issues of uh, addressing socioeconomic issues are not uh, immediate they are immediate but they wouldn't they wouldn't be addressed immediately what do we do in the current system to make sure that it works and it is strengthened is to depoliticize uh, the police system which i think at, as things stand is highly politicized and is highly politicized because we have corrupt politicians who are interested in their self-preservation by corrupting the police system so that it is dysfunctional in that they are not exposed and then it ends up being dysfunctional for the entire society as a whole that is the problem that we have I have, you know, with 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 crime being uh, perpetuated, let's say by a person who has no job, um, is hungry and and needs money. There are poorer countries than South Africa, mm. but they don't have the kind mm. of crime that we have. And now I mean, someone mugging you, taking your phone, uh, stealing at a shop, or graduating to you know, hijacking and stuff like that. I think there's something wrong with South Africa and South Africans in terms are of... Saying, are you saying there's a cultural issue? It's, it's violence. I think violence is so embedded in our DNA <laughs> you know, that we, it, it, to, to a point where we use it for... I don't want to say as an excuse because I'm going to sound insensitive, mm. you know, but, but we, we use it as, as a reason to commit more violence against, you know, more people. Because you you guys know that there are poor countries than of South course, Africa, of course, but they don't have the kind of crime that we have. Mm. So so where, where, or maybe is it yeah. an issue of equality? Of here we have a people who, we have people who have a lot so of money, money and, and people who yeah, have yeah, absolutely no money. Extreme inequality actually plays a part in that. In other oh. countries, as much as they are poor, but you will, never, poor. you will never find those that are rich are rich in a in a normal way. Yes, yeah, <laughs> 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 no, I'm saying not in an extreme way. We've got obscene uh, wealth here, where you have people who are billionaires. I mean, we have about what less than twenty. Guys, Alex, Alex, and so on you look at it in the aerial view yeah, it, does, it tells it you such uh, yeah, something that, that, that is should the problem. not exist. I mean, that's, while you are poor you see someone just next door okay let's take it Alex to something <laughs> those people in Alex they are so extremely poor and then next door they see people who are multi-billionaires and multi-millionaires uh, it doesn't make sense and it creates a psychological effect that says but this society doesn't care about me how do I fend for myself let me do something and fix my life as well Ish. yeah and I, it's a mess. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> no, um, uh, th 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 there's, there's an argument uh, by the Blue Party. Uh, I'm not sure if they are advancing it because uh, their electoral support has uh, restricted them to provinces mm. and then to metros. Mm. That uh, they can, it can be a provincial uh, competence. Yes. 
that is uh, instead of having it uh, uh, this the same argument they are doing with with the rail by the way mm. um, uh, uh, provincial police of course bring a provincial police mm. that's the argument they are making in western cape and uh, they've got crime problems there mm. so do you guys think that making it a provincial competency would uh, at least depoliticize it uh, more than no I, I think the problem with with that is bureaucracy because if we are to split effectively split the police into nine provinces right mm. lot lots of crimes also cross cross across the country mm. and so, sort of cross province you always said border <laughs> 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 well cross border as well but then you would then start to lose I think a lot of um, institutional capability within the country so for instance um, tracking criminals you'd have to you go from office to office this police station would have to deal with this police station there might be some hindrances here and there I think what we could do is have I think the municipalities in itself should start looking at their own sort of security units within those municipalities that are away from the police so obviously for your general sort of visibility and your general upkeep of peace and control mm. and then from there your police should be called to your, your uh, should be sort of dealt with in terms of your prevention of crime and your your general policing mm. and then i think what should happen is that your your crime intelligence and your hawks and your intelligence units should then have a, a sort of overarching feel to everything afterwards to stop mm. everything in its tracks. We, we don't want nine little countries. We have, <laughs> we have one country. I don't understand why and the, besides the, the Western Cape DA people are always like trying to create a country of their own. They were in but, this I mean, besides, oh. Coming to your point, we already have policing that are, are based on metros, for instance. We have yeah, the Johannesburg Metropolis, Metropolis yeah, Department, yeah, yeah. Tuane Metropolis, Egurulene Metropolis, but within that system. And those ones are coming on top of the National Police to supplement on top of the police. But where is crime rife the most? In these very yeah, same yeah. cities that have got uh, metro police because I mean Speak, speaking of the DA you also can't have soldiers going to the Cape Flats you can't have people who are not trained to deal with that situation who are trained to shoot and kill going to shoot and kill there yeah so I've, I've, I've always had a problem with that call from uh, those politicians there because I, I've got a number of friends who mm. are soldiers and it's scary how uh, they tell you what chief my whole life I've been trained to shoot on the upper point. Yeah. Imagine. <laughs> and, and you see, this, this speaks to the lack of understanding of our political parties. That stands uh, by the DA of calling for soldiers. In that these people, they don't understand that we have to prevent crime in the first place for it not to happen, rather than re being a repressive government where, where there's crime, you come in and start bulldozing and but scare people. Scaring tactics have never worked anywhere. They will never cut. Crime. But it, it also comes from a, a people who I assume live in affluent uh, suburbs where they don't have these issues. They probably don't have solutions and their solutions can be hard uh, handed on those communities because you don't want a crash a school a and then soldiers patrolling mm. with huge guns. Who wants their kids to grow up in in, in that situation mm. of that kind of violence? And and like we don't we don't mm. we don't want all of that, man. <laughs> I think to end it off, I think as the, the the reality is that we have a problem and we don't have adequate solutions. Absolutely, we don't have political will to fix those solutions, and we don't have a general plan to prevent to to start at the root causes of these issues and fix them at there, which is scary and. And it sort of gives me a bleak outlook for how we're heading with crime in this country because there's not a plan. And even if there was, 
it's just there until another police minister or another police commissioner comes in and decides it's not going to work. But unfortunately, that's all we have time for this week. Thank you all so much for joining us um, at the Politics, Sunday Times Politics Weekly again. Please follow us um, on Twitter. Um, and you can, We'll all be tweeting about it, so you can follow each one of us individually. Yeah. We'll all drop the podcasts on there. Um, also, if you check on Times Live on our website, you'll find a news and analysis section or news and opinion section, and you'll be able to find our podcast on there as well. Please follow, guys, and share it along. If you appreciate our views, please engage with us as well. Tell us what you think we can do better and what we're doing good at. Some um, good uh, comments will also be appreciated <laughs> by us politics journalists. But thanks, guys, so much for joining us. We're going to carry on next week um, solely with our election coverage, uh, obviously looking at a few stuff uh, articles in the paper and then going deeper into our election coverage. Now looking at... Um, voter patterns um how people are re- receiving certain parties and what's really affecting everything as we go into elections uh, join us thanks so much for joining us again thanks guys for joining me in studio today well, and, uh, catch you guys so next week i am you